0: m k Talk YA now presents God's Grave Part 2 of The Nevernight Chronicle by Jay Kristoff. MNK Talk YA.
1: I'm Marissa Snyder.
0: And I'm Katie Bradford.
1: And this is our Young Adult Fiction Podcast. And this week we finished the second book in the Nevernight series by Jay Kristoff. We finished God's Grave.
0: Yes we did. And what did you think overall?
1: Um, Overall I liked it. I think it's kind of funny when we go back and look at the predictions that we made uh-huh. because we both made correct predictions which never happens let's admit it (laughs) but so the prediction i had was that uh, mia would kill either the cardinal or scavia but not both and that panned out
0: technically true
1: yes you had the prediction that trick was gonna come back which i did not see coming in a million years
0: okay the funny thing is though While that was my prediction, I didn't, like, I was still shocked when that part happened. (laughs) I was not actually predicting that by the time it came around.
1: And he's not, we'll have to see what he's like in the last book, because it was like the last couple sentences of this book that he came back and he did not seem human to me.
0: So he kind of reminded me of that thing she saw in the graveyard in the first half, but it's not the yeah. same thing, right? Or is it?
1: Like the shadow person or whatever? It did remind yeah. me Yeah.
0: Who like told her she has to light the sky black or I don't remember what it yeah. was, but yeah. Oh, I kind of forgot that I even predicted that. And that was a big reveal <laughs> at the end. And I don't know. I had a feeling that you weren't loving, loving this one, but I actually really, really liked it by the end of this book. I don't know
1: Good.
0: what specifically like I can't really put it into words because there's a lot of things I didn't like and even some of the predictions like I had a feeling that she didn't kill everybody yeah. I had a feeling there's something else oh I I knew that was her brother like as soon as they said yep six years ago or whatever there were a couple of things that I like knew were coming but I was still happy with the layers involved and like some of the political moves again you know I think I'm like really into that and the fact that some people did die even though not everyone mm-hmm. died um, so I was like really enjoying it, but did you stop or did you keep reading the footnotes? Yes, I didn't stop. Did you see that one where it was like, why are you reading this footnote? There's about to be a battle or something yes. like that at the end. <laughs> that like reminded me of you so much where I'm like, isn't that kind of, your whole point with like <laughs> exactly. why am i reading this right me. now yeah
1: <laughs> um okay well let's go back to the second half where we left off because we left in a pretty tense moment when mia is fighting this wretchworm.
0: yeah so she did defeat him
1: <laughs> she fed it some glass <laughs>
0: Yeah. And like staged. So she is all about, I kind of get Furion or whatever his name is, is always kind of mad at her because he think she's not honorable enough because she has like all these tricks up her sleeve. But it's also yeah. like, again, and she keeps saying this, it's not a game. This is life or death. No. Right? Yeah. So it's, she's not like cheating, cheating. She's just using everything to her advantage. Well, maybe she's cheating. She's
1: doing what she has to do to survive. Yeah.
0: But I feel like it's, I, like, love the cleverness of it, and I don't know. Um, but I forget where I was going with that. So, yeah, she, she did defeat the Wretchworm using the, the balls of fire that she forced him to ingest and using her shadow power to, like, mm-hmm. jump between shadows. So she maybe cheated a little bit, but it worked, and I'm all for it.
1: <laughs> yeah, and then she has... Um, another big fight, I feel like, I feel like there were just so many fights in this book, I was just, like, struggling to keep them all straight, but, um, the second one was- Well, this was, like,
0: an unintentional fight, or an unplanned fight. Yeah. And Leona's dad, like, set up Leona to show off her new victor and be embarrassed, essentially, so,
1: yeah, who did she have to fight? And his champion was super interesting. Yeah. The silkling. Uh Uh-huh. And she has, like, six arms and eight e- eight eyes, and...
0: And she's venomous, and elite. she has green skin. I was just, like, trying to picture her. I pictured it, like, kind of, like, spider-like, like, spider-human morph thing. Yeah. I don't know.
1: Because they did call her an arachnid silkling. Yeah, that might be why. So, I'm like, that, oh, I wonder mm-hmm. if there are other types of silklings. I don't know. Well, and this is
0: essentially the only non-human... But human-ish thing that we've encountered, like we've seen a lot of creatures, but none that are like, human,
1: really? yeah, race. Well, I guess this... the shadows. I guess we call them human, like Mr. Kindly and Eclipse, and
0: I guess I'm still confused by them, and I think that that's part of the point. We still have a lot of questions about them because it, I like forgot, I guess, that they could interact so much with other people. I think mm-hmm. when I first. In the first book, even though this wasn't necessarily true, I just like they just kind of kept hidden and like whispered to Mia, I guess. But I felt like Mia was the only one who could see them, even though I guess there was that thing with like Drusilla and stuff like that wasn't actually true. But for some reason in my mind, I like still picture them as like only she's
1: can talk to them, able to interact
0: with them. Yeah. But that's not the case, I guess, at all. (laughs) But we did, we, so we had one scene of just Eclipse and Mr. Kindly talking to each other and we had some other references to stuff, but what do we, what have we figured out about them more than we did before? Do we know anything more or do we
1: just... Not really.
0: Yeah. So they, like, existed before they met Mia and um, the other guy, Cassius, Cassius, but they weren't, they didn't have any form essentially before that and they had a different name and were they part of one thing, or were they still separate shadow things previously? They were
1: separate, I think, because, okay. and I think, it, like, they formed a shape based on
0: The impression. What was or happening yeah, at the something. time.
1: Yeah, like, her ca- her kitten was killed, and so that's why the shadow took the form of a cat.
0: And Cassius' family used to hunt wolves, and he, like, missed yeah. them or something?
1: Y- maybe, yeah.
0: So it was like, they could choose their shape based on information they gathered at the time? I don't... I, I, or did it was it a choice or was it just like an impression? Or did they just
1: like morph into it?
0: Yeah, I don't know.
1: It's such a, it's such a good question. I want to learn more about them.
0: I know. I'm so... This whole like Darken stuff is so interesting to me. So we've also... Furion is dead and that whole oh. like hunger, creepy shadows connecting thing isn't fully explained but she did feel full after he died. Yeah. And she now has and- additional shadowness to her
1: but does do we know the shape of Furion's shadow well i think because i didn't
0: i don't think he has a passenger
1: oh okay so every but everyone has shadows then right
0: everyone has shadows but i think darkens have
1: they collect other people's shadow
0: well i don't think i think she specifically i think whatever was darken about him lingered after he actually died and like somehow went and like aided mia's darkenness but I don't really know what that yeah. means exactly. But I feel like, like the power or whatever makes you darken. That like piece of your, yeah, essence is what she like absorbed when he died. But I don't think it's not the same as like the passengers and stuff. Unless what? You, okay. What if the passengers were previous darkened who had died? What if like maybe
1: that's super interesting? Maybe
0: if she hadn't been there, his shadow would have like gone underground or whatever and looked for a new darkened to become a passenger to. Cling to. I don't know.
1: That's a good question because, um. well, we also learned about, like, the first darkened Cleo. We didn't really learn anything about her, but we know that she went around, like, eating other darkened shadows or passengers or whatever. So that seems to be what Mia's doing.
0: Oh, I thought she ate them, but did she eat their shadow? (laughs) That might make more
1: sense. I thought she she got their shadow.
0: I think it was vague, which...
1: (laughs) But that's what Mia's doing. Like she's yeah. going around like accumulating shadows now. But I thought that everyone had a shadow because she always talks about like I reached out and like pinned his shadow to the floor. And like when she's fighting the silk, the well, silkling.
0: I, I think everyone has a shadow in the sense that light blocked by an object creates a shadow, like, shadows exist yeah. in this world in the same way they exist in everyone else's world, but, like, the connection okay. between person and shadow is only present for Darken. I think.
1: Okay, that makes sense. Okay. And we also
0: found out her brother is a Darken, but he's little, and we don't know if he has a passenger or if he knows anything about what that means yet,
1: right? Um, well, yeah, because we do see her brother with scabia, and he... Uses him as a shield, basically, in the last... Well, we're skipping it. <laughs> okay,
0: sorry. Yeah, we'll get
1: to that in a minute.
0: Okay, so... wretchworm <laughs> No, just kidding. Where silkling. were we? <laughs> silkling.
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> so then, like, Fury and Mia have to fight this Silkling together. And
0: Blades,
1: And Blades... Yes. So
0: basically, they say, like, he challenges Leona... Or there, there's like this kind of political moves where it's like, oh, we'll give you one more chance. We'll fight to the death and it, whoever wins can like have a ticket to the, whatchamacallit. What's it called again?
1: Beninus Mundi?
0: Yeah, that thing. And <laughs> whoever, and, and then they're like, oh, well, that's not really fair because- The silkling has six arms, so (laughs) thinking that would, like, end the whole contest in a, like, preserving their dignity kind of way, but instead, they're just like, okay, you can bring three fighters. Six arms to six arms. Done.
1: Yeah. I mean, that kind of makes sense. Um, and they, they have a bloody battle with this silkling. I thought that was, like, probably my favorite scene, actually, in this book, was when the three of them try and fight. Because it's the first time you see, um, like, Mia and Furion finally work together. Well, then there
0: just seems, first of all, the aspect of this creature that we haven't seen is kind of, like, magical and interesting and, like, whatever to imagine, six arms yielding blades. But then also, I agree, like, the... Ability to work together. Just this idea of, like, three individual beings who are able to, like, swerve in and out. Like, Bladeslinger's shielding Mia while she's stabbing. Yeah, yeah, I Mm -hmm. agree. That would be a really cool scene to watch.
1: And we see um, Mia help Bladeslinger because that whole arena was really cool. How it was, like, the gears of a clock and, Mm -hmm. like, she almost falls into the gear and then Mia, like, runs up and saves Bladeslinger the last time. So it was just kind of nice to, like...
0: It's so interesting the technology in this world. Sorry, you finish your thought. Yeah.
1: No, that's totally true. It's like, how they conjure up these different arenas.
0: Yeah, but then they also still, like, seems like horses are the main mode of transportation in boats. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> like think
1: they'd be able to do more. <laughs> yeah, it
0: seems like they're, like, super technologically advanced on the one hand, but they're fighting with swords. And I don't know, just, like, it's just interesting because part of it feels so, like, medieval or what, or mm-hmm. not even medieval, like, ancient Rome or whatever. And then you have also have this, like, really cool technology. Although I guess you've told told us this, I think, not last week maybe, but the other time we talked about gladiators. The gladiators also had a naval battle in the Coliseum or something, didn't they?
1: Yes, that's actually part of my research this week. Oh, sorry to steal your thunder. No, that's fine.
0: <laughs> but, so I guess maybe there, even back then, there were, like, cool technology for the time. But anyways, sorry. Yes, so there was the battle with the soul and they ultimately won but there was more cheating going on
1: yeah and i liked that um mia is like calling out to furion and she's like you have to use the shadows or we're all gonna die and like yeah i liked that furion finally like gave in to his powers and used them even though he was very reluctant to do so and actually we find out why his backstory he is so mm-hmm. yeah, reluctant to do any kind of cheating and it's because he was a slaver, right?
0: Yeah, although I kind of agree with Mia on some of her reactions to his story about like I guess it makes sense he's trying to like redeem himself for selling all these people into slavery and he like found religion and now and sells himself. Yeah. But it is like you're still murdering all these people to get the salvation you're seeking I
1: don't know exactly it's it's a very misguided way to go about getting redemption in my opinion
0: yeah I feel like there's a logical step that might mean he's still crazy I don't know
1: (laughs) because yeah I mean he's still he's like if you're going to try and make up for what you did don't sell yourself to a gladiator arena where you are going to be killing even more people because at this what was it? The White Keep Venetus, where they fight the Silkling? There mm-hmm. was the chariot race before where um, one of the twins dies. Oh, yeah. I was sad. And Mia is like, seven people are dead for nothing. Like, what was the point of this? Just, like, dumb entertainment for rich people, essentially.
0: Yeah. She's definitely having... She's starting to, like, realize the world she's in. I, her empathy piece is standing out to me more this book than it did last book. Like, last book, I was like, yeah, she's kind of some empathy, but I don't see it that much more than everyone else, to be fair, everyone else is an assassin school or whatever. But this book, I'm sort of like, she is starting to really question stuff in a way that makes me be like oh she does care about people or she does want better you know what i mean she's not just accepting the status quo
1: and she fights it though you know because she there was like a a a long time where she kept trying to convince herself that these people weren't her friends yeah you know because it made it hard like she knew that she was going to betray them yeah and she was really afraid like Ugh, once I you know if I get revenge all of these slaves are going to be punished with me or instead of me and just that idea was it was hard for her to fight against that
0: yeah but that struggle just felt more real this time to me or, or like we mm-hmm. saw more of it so and it also made it even though I did suspect that she I definitely thought she turned on them when they were in the ship but mm-hmm. once I found out she was the one who had to physically kill them I was like no way she actually does that but, um, it was interesting to think about, like, oh, she, it, like, made it, I don't know if she, which she chose, her friendship or her own passion at that moment, if that makes sense. Her own revenge. I agree. I'm rambling. Um,
1: <laughs> I agree because when she, yeah, I, I'm with you. Like, when she agrees to help with the rebel, I mean, it, the book is set up so good because, like, she agrees to help with the slave rebellion so that they don't get sold. Yep. you're like, okay, that makes sense. Like, she's choosing her friends over revenge. And then when she goes back and, like, locks them all in the ship, you're like, oh, shoot. She just did that to, like, pretend that she was going to help them just to keep them quiet. Yep. But then you're right. Like, when she was <laughs> having to kill them all in the arena, I was, I was like, there's no way. Like, this is absolutely a ruse. Like, but they were, they, like, it was also convincing, though, because... Like, when you're reading the book, it's like, oh, and then she stabs Bladeslinger in the middle of the back and, like, cut her throat open. And you're like, how are you going to come back from this? Like, I know you're going to, but, like... I know. Well, I think
0: that's where, again, it's a lot of good stuff where it's not necessarily a cue in the moment, but it's really good to look back on because they did mention, um, I forget his name now, one of the gladiatory who had that theater background. And that's exactly Mm -hmm. what it what it reminded me of in the time, too, where it was like, how do you stage something that looks real? real?
1: Mm -hmm. And when Leona is like, that's not the blade I gave her, like, you find out that it was a retracting blade, like...
0: And that she's not using it in the actual fight, she's using everything else. Yeah, it was really cool, but, uh, but yeah. But, okay, here's the part I didn't understand about the escape. So, yeah, when she does end up helping them, they, she, like, uses her shadows to get out of the thing and then comes and unlocks the doors and they knock out a bunch of the guards and steal their uniforms and are walking through town. And then isn't that Ashlyn who, like, recognizes her and, like, attracts a lot of attention? Mm. Or was it not Ashlyn? I
1: didn't think it was Ashlyn.
0: Oh, because I thought it was someone with red hair. Doesn't Ashlyn have red hair right now? She does. So maybe, maybe if it's not Ashlyn, then that's irrelevant. But I was sort of like, what is Ashlyn up to? What is the point of this step in the plan? Because I thought it was Ashlyn, like, attracting attention.
1: (laughs) Well, what is Ashlyn up to? (laughs) I mean...
0: That's a great question.
1: (laughs) I still don't know if I trust her because we had that moment where like Mia... And and this is, like, exactly what I didn't want to happen. I was like, I don't want Mia to fall for Ashlyn and then Trick to come back. But we do see Mia fall for Ashlyn. They kind of, you know, their relationship goes a little bit further. Yep. But then, and I really wanted to trust Ashlyn, but then, like, they had that moment where they're fighting the Silkling and Ashlyn was in charge of making her blades brittle and she only did one set. And I was like... Ashley wouldn't forget to do that like so now I'm just I honestly do not know if I can trust her
0: well it wasn't necessarily forget it was not be aware there was a second set but to your point yeah why wouldn't you double check or if you got all that information how did you not get that one piece of information
1: and she has that tattoo so
0: I I don't trust her fully on her
1: back okay
0: but I I also like I said I'm, like, kind of interested in her and Ashlyn, but I also think they're kind of bad for each other, so I sort of am not pro that relationship, but Mia did talk about, or she, she made it sound like her feelings for Ashlyn are way more than they ever were for Trick, not like, I care for Ashlyn, like, didn't it sound like the first time she was, like, in love, like, she was saying love, Mm -hmm. basically, and with Trick, it was always, um like not admitting that there were feelings involved even though I think there were I I think it this is a stronger feeling thing right now at least but I also think Trick and her had like a more yeah the trust was there they like brought out good in each other a little bit I don't know I still like certain things about that relationship I I trusted trick more and Ashlyn I don't trust yet so it'll be interesting to see
1: agree I mean she's she's just so slippery, you know, like...
0: Well, and once someone's lied about really big things like that, it's sort of... In the same way that Mia's all about her revenge and you're not sure if you can trust her around her... or if her new friends should trust her, right? Right. It's sort of like Ashlyn's all about her own mission and we're not... I'm not sure that we know everything involved yet.
1: I agree. And, like, what was she doing down in the crypt i don't know whenever trick came back like did she have something to do with that
0: wait when he came ba- you mean well so he well why was she back there she was back there because she was trying to get to mia
1: she sets the bomb off
0: yeah she didn't yeah, she know supposedly she didn't know the red church knew the whole plan what if she did what if she was the one who tipped off the red church i don't know
1: i know maybe i mean
0: i know i know i don't trust her but then I but then every time Mia doesn't trust her I'm also like Mia don't be I'm like if Mia trusts her too much I'm like don't be stupid and if Mia doesn't trust her enough I'm like Mia you have to let it go I don't know i like just an anti
1: and why does she have that the map tattooed on her back
0: well I think it's a secure so we still don't know what the map is all about but I think it's an insurance policy. It's
1: something bad about the Red Church, yeah.
0: Is it bad about the Red Church? I think it's something the Red Church wants. Because if it was bad about the Red Church, wouldn't they just want to destroy it, aka destroy her?
1: Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. Because
0: I feel like it's an insurance policy, because you can't kill her, because if you kill her, the ink goes away.
1: Right. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I don't trust Ashley. I don't trust the Red Church. I don't trust Mia. I don't trust Trick. I don't trust anyone.
0: Okay, so here's, here's <laughs> what I think I think we're we're building bigger and bigger each book right so book one was really about Mia's like personal revenge stuff and we kind of like get to the church level book two we're learning more about the world and she's starting to care about slavery and other social structures in the world as a whole Book three, I think we're going to get to, like, the history of the world. We're going to find out about what happened with the Darken before and this, like, the God's grave, what the moon thing or whatever that fell out of the sky and died and how the Darken are related to that and I think how the Red Church are related to that, but I don't know.
1: I think her main goal for book three is going to be to bring down the Red Church because... I mean, <laughs> that whole thing at the end where she thinks she killed the Duomo, she thinks she killed Scavia, and then she realizes that Mariella the Weaver just, like, made someone look like Scavia.
0: Well, Mia doesn't even know that yet ashland does right
1: ashland does yeah because like they knew mia's plan the entire time and they and it, it's so clever of them because they wanted the cardinal dead and they couldn't touch him themselves so like this whole time mia has just been helping her enemies one after the other and it's just so ironic
0: yeah but i just so think- i
1: think Ashlyn's gonna tell her mm-hmm. and then the whole third book is gonna be about bringing down the red church
0: I know, but Ashlyn and Trick are going to tell her. So there's also going to be this aspect of Trick's bag. What does this mean? Right? There has to be some kind of aspect of that. Although he might not even be a real person. But I think there's going to be more (laughs) of this destiny or like finding more Darken or getting more Darken power or having to do something with the Darken power she's acquired. I'm really curious about how her family stuff (gasps) works out.
1: Let's talk about the family stuff.
0: Yeah. So not only is Sceva still alive, he's her dad.
1: (laughs) Yep. He's her dad. Probably also the dad of her brother. Because um, Sidonius tells Mia about how her parents' relationship was kind of just one of ambition. Mm -hmm. uh, And her father actually was in love with the general Antonius. Yep. So they were lovers. And Antonius was the man that they tried to replace the senator with. And that is like very different from the idea that mia had of her father of like trying to help the people by overthrowing a yeah a bad senator and replacing him with someone honorable like he was just trying to get his lover on the throne
0: yeah which goes back to a question i think i said in the first book where it was like we don't actually know if her dad was good or bad we just know that and i guess in some sense the current system is bad so even if his motives weren't great it might not have been a bad thing he was trying to do true
1: but he's not a hero of the people. No. He was just being selfish.
0: Yeah, and her... F- and I... Yeah, go ahead.
1: And I just love that Sidonius was, like, admitted that he was branded as a coward because he couldn't go along with her father's plan. But he feels like... He was like, well, I can sleep at night because I have a clear conscience.
0: Mm-hmm. Ooh. Also, so I went back and read in Nevernight the scene between Scava and Mia's mother when they were saying... Oh that's a good idea stuff because i was like really curious about it but there wasn't any huge clues i don't think that he was her dad there were kind of some clues that maybe they had a relationship but i felt like i got that even when we first read it but i thought it was just like a flirtatious thing but i didn't really see anything that made it clear to me or that was like oh he is her dad back then Mm. but it was just really interesting because again he's still like it looks like he took his son and raised him as his actual son, yes. but but he did order his daughter killed. So I'm curious if there's a why. Yeah, why he, it was true for one and not the other? If she was just too old, or if there's something different
1: about that's a very good question. How she? I don't know. Yeah, I'm just curious. Or he knew that she was darkened. Mm-hmm. But you think? But you think her brother is darkened too? But
0: if he knew, yeah, and the fact that they're both darkened. And remember how Mia's mom said something like oh, you're just like him.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So I wonder if he was Darken or how, like, what is it about him being the father of both of these kids and the fact that when she used her Darkin powers, her mom commented on her dad. I'm curious what his relationship to all this Darkin stuff is or or how, I don't know, what it has to do with, basically. I don't know.
1: I'm curious about that too.
0: I think my biggest questions to get answered are even less than defeating the Red Church. I want to get this Darken Mia's family stuff sorted out. and. Yeah cleaned up that's my goal
1: and it's it's just so sad because like every time she has a a darken at her disposal she ends up killing him or he dies somehow it's like yeah
0: so I hope her brother's safe.
1: <laughs> I know me too. But like Furion, she, I mean, not that she was going to learn a ton from him, but I hated that scene when like they were the only two left at the Venetis Mundi and they were just the two of them were left standing and it was like, oh shit, I know one of us has to die. And she was like, I'm sorry, but like, I am this close to getting my revenge. And Yeah. Uh and I mean, I guess she never really considered him a friend like they were always at odds. But just the fact that she had to kill one of her own kind is just, it's just ironic again.
0: They might not have been friends, but they stopped being enemies
1: a little bit. Yeah, to work to, with each other. Yes. <sighs> Oh, and then we learned that whole thing about, um, gosh, Leona's backstory with her father, and because you brought this up yeah. last week, you were like, "There's, there is some reason she hates her father that much. Like, there is something going on between them." And good reason. <laughs> yes, very good reason. So he murdered her mother.
0: In front of her, right?
1: With a wine bottle.
0: Because she spilled her wine and he just, like, lost his temper. And in general, it sounds like he had a temper and was probably abusive of her as well. But yes. that was, like, the thing she couldn't get over.
1: Yeah, how, how could you?
0: Yeah, but I didn't really understand his motive. So was he just, like, like why did he, like, keep rubbing her face in it? And, like, like I sort of didn't understand why he wasn't trying to, like, make...
1: Why he hates her so much?
0: Yeah, make amends or whatever. And instead was like goading her on. I don't know.
1: He's just a six sick, he's sick just, person. Yeah,
0: he's just a bad dude. And he's dead and now. He,
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. But before he dies, he poisons her entire staff and she this is what I thought I was a little confused about. So there's that whole thing with the executus Arcades mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to like finds out that Furion and Leona are having an affair and heartbroken Leona what
0: and he was heartbroken because he liked her
1: right but then she finds out that Arcady's knows and she, whenever the staff gets poisoned she uses it and as an excuse to frame him but I don't but here's the thing like did she do that or did someone else frame him just to get rid of him
0: her mate framed him
1: right okay.
0: So I think that her dad slash her maid framed was getting rid of him because he was, again, he's a sick person, right? I think it was like undermining the whole Coliseum, right? It, that used to be his dad's champion. He had left, like, I think it was a double whammy. And if they killed off all of the actual gladiatory, great. And then if they could frame her, like, the like I just feel like it made it all that much worse. I don't know how to explain what I'm trying to say, but I think he was, like, a really good target for multiple reasons, because she had trusted him so much. He used to be someone that meant a lot to the dad or whatever, and okay. even without, even with the gladiatory surviving for the most part, the fact that they didn't have their trainer anymore, who was, like, the best thing they had going for them in a lot of ways,
1: okay. yeah,
0: I think, and just to make her, like, doubt a bunch of stuff, and... I don't know. I think it was easy, really.
1: Yeah. It was a good story yeah. to
0: set up because she would buy it because she knew he didn't, he liked her and knew about Furion and yada. yada. Like, I think it was just easy in a lot of ways. And, and
1: yeah. And so her, ma- her maid, um, the magistrate, whatever, so sh- she was working with her father the entire time.
0: I think so. And I was actually kind of curious about that, too, because she was the woman who raised her from a child. So I was sort of like, how do you trust someone who saw all this stuff? You know, like, I thought about that at one point where I was like, it's interesting that you brought all these people from your dad's house with you.
1: Yeah, good point. I mean,
0: for someone who hates your dad so much. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, I didn't really know it was her until near the end, but I understand it now. I
1: didn't even really suspect her. I mean, I know that she knew about Furion, but I didn't really suspect that she was working with Leona's father.
0: I didn't suspect she was working with his father, but I did suspect that she had more motive than she, like, she had some motive for something. I didn't know what it was yet. I didn't know if maybe she liked Furian or something else because she also kept, like, kind of sticking, she just kept showing up and sticking her nose in places where I was sort of (laughs) like, why?
1: And poor little maggot died.
0: I know, which is actually related to my research.
1: Oh, me too. Did you research maggots?
0: Yes! Well, maggot <laughs> maggot therapy specifically.
1: <laughs> I did a little bit of research into that too, um, but you go first because I have something else too.
0: Well, so basically using live maggots to eat skin around wounds, like infected skin around wounds, is not just something that they made up in this book, but it's something that has happened historically and still happens today to some extent, which is kind of crazy to think about. So it's basically a type of biotherapy that was really popular back before like penicillin and other disinfectants existed. And then it kind of fell out of favor because of things like penicillin and whatnot. It's still kind of just gross to think about. But there's been a lot of wounds that still won't heal or conditions that are like, you know, like autoimmune stuff and all the stuff that like has made this has basically like come back around in recent years. And in 2004, they actually the FDA like approved a certain type of maggot for yep. like as a medical device in the U.S. So that's just like crazy to think about in my mind.
1: Wow. Well, I thought it was interesting that because um, I I knew that maggots were used to eat de- decaying flesh, and in fact, when we first met Maggot, and they were like, "Why is that your nickname?" and she was like, "Pray you don't find out." I kind of suspected that's where it was going. Oh my
0: goodness, I did not know that at all, or I didn't. Yeah. That didn't cross my mind as like a medical treatment. I knew maggots ate dead things, but I never thought about it like intentional.
1: I've read that in other books, but mm-hmm. what I didn't know was that the maggot secretions. Like, I knew they ate decaying flesh, but I didn't know that their secretions actually um, reduce inflammation. and Disinfectant. Mm -hmm. Are kind of like a disinfectant, yeah, which I thought was super interesting.
0: It is interesting.
1: But it also reminded me, um, like, it made sense to me because uh, this is maybe a little gross, but I'm really into... Um, like Korean skin masks and like K-beauty routines. Okay. And one of my treatments that I use on my face every night, actually multiple um, serums and creams that I have are made of...
0: I'm so curious where you're going. Snail slime. Oh, okay. <laughs>
1: so like snail excretions it's called snail mucin is in a lot of creams and serums and Hmm. Um, face masks because they discovered that like people who were um, like breeding snails discovered that they had like really beautiful soft hands and they had no idea why and so they started collecting it and um, incorporating it into beauty routines and I use a lot of snail slime on my face (laughs) I have like a serum I have an ampoule I have a face cream like and I think it really works
0: but like it's it's processed in other, like it's like a lotion or like you're not like yeah have raw snail slime that you're like no, slathering no, no, no. on. I'm just imagining like you going out and like picking up a few snails from the yard <laughs> and letting them crawl over your face while you watch TV or something.
1: <laughs> well, they do collect it by, um, they like set out ropes and um, like almost webs that snails like to climb on. And then they let them climb all over them during the night. And then when the snails go, back wherever they live to sleep they just collect all the snail slime off it and that's how they harvest it. Interesting. So it's also like they don't harm the snails when they collect it they say. But yeah I thought that was fascinating. I was like oh okay maggot secretion let's bottle that up.
0: Well it's also so interesting to just think about I think we've talked about this in previous episodes too. These ideas that were like so ancient and then we sort of like go beyond them where we're like oh we don't need maggots we have like surgery and penicillin and whatnot now and then it's sort of like we go back around and it's like oh we had a good idea back then like I was reading some study about the like the maggot thing is actually like more successful in certain cases than surgery or that you know it's like Okay, as gross as it is to, like, think about having maggots eat your dead skin or whatever, that sounds way better than going under the knife at the same time.
1: Well, I mean, that's what they do, and, like, they won't touch the healthy skin.
0: As long as you get the right kind of maggot, yep.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I guess that's true. Which is also,
0: like, I was reading some stuff, like, back in the Civil War when they, which is, like, the, they used to do it, like, a really long time ago like native people and stuff but then it kind of fell away at some point and then it came back in like the American Civil War and it was interesting because I was reading this stuff like this one physician who had like found success using maggots but then all of a sudden wasn't having success and he was like oh I realized I have to disinfect them and disinfect the area and stuff and it's like oh yeah so specifically you want disinfected maggots and that's and I thought it was cool in the book they talked about that too right with like the vinegar and how they like keep
1: Mm -hmm.
0: remove them later and I also read something that was basically like they're successful for the first 14 days and then by day 15 there's like no real difference between that and surgery mm. or something and a lot of cases which is why a lot of the treatments will be apply the maggots or whatever for two weeks and that's like a reason why it's two weeks or I don't know it's wow. just it's just sort of interesting and some wounds are good for it and some wounds are not so it should be like like a dry wound is not as good as like a wet festering wound or whatever I don't know I like was reading stuff and then I was getting grossed out so I didn't go too too in depth there's some pictures that I wish I hadn't seen
1: oh I bet but I think they do the same thing with leeches now do they use leeches for certain things too
0: probably yeah
1: I wouldn't be surprised if they did.
0: Well, I was. I did. I started a article that was like barbaric medical treatments that are still used today, which was like Ooh. one of them was maggot therapy for wound healing. What were
1: the other ones? Oh, there
0: was one about uh, bee venom therapy. So I guess like they used to think that if you got stung by bees something in the venom would help with arthritis. So that, like, used to be a thing that they do. And they actually found that bee venom contains melatonin or something, which is a chemical with anti-inflammatory properties. So this, like, study done in 2016 is, like, actually, there's, like, some signs that this may work and in South Korea they or no South Korea is actually where they did a different study and they were like well actually a lot of people have adverse reactions to bee therapy so it's not like super super popular but in Asia and Eastern Europe and a lot of places they'll still use bee venom therapy as an alternative to medical therapy and then there was yeah medical leeches or mention I didn't read a ton about them, but it used to be like bloodletting used to be a thing, right? Where you would just yep. use leeches to remove blood because they, but they would like overuse it basically because they didn't really understand how a lot of things work, so they were just like, let's get rid of the bad blood always. <laughs> but then the FDA has cleared the use of medical leeches for venous congestion, where blood pools in a certain area on the body and veins can't pump it back to the heart. So when this, oh
1: interesting, ha-
0: happens. Um, it it can, They say it's common, like, if you've reattached a limb, like, had surgery, like, if your finger or your ear gets surgically reattached, um, it could be common. So they'll put them on the site for a short amount of time, less than an hour, and hmm. let the leeches extract blood from that site, basically.
1: I would have to, like, be put under for that, I feel. Yeah. <laughs> Same with maggots. Like, I well was interesting there's a lot of things with maggots where they like
0: hide them because it's like a gross
1: yeah they'd have to cover it's just like
0: gross to think about right but like they have like bandages where like oxygen can get in but you like can't really see the maggots or
1: something But you can feel them can't you i guess if they're only eating your dead flesh no
0: no they do they describe some kind of like tickling sensation which with the way my brain works would not be good but no 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 yeah i don't know there was also like stuff like um, electroconvulsive therapy used to be thought of as like an yeah. you know shock treatment but i think uh, today they do it. Sometimes it um, it's used for people with a condition called treatment-resistant depression, which is severe depression that has not improved with medication or any other treatment.
1: My um, mother-in-law is a nurse, and she remembers doing electroshock therapy on patients like back in the day. Yeah, it
0: it scares like, me. Not too
1: long ago. Yeah. I mean, and that one isn't even
0: like a super old. Yeah.
1: They say that, um, and I have no experience with this. This might be completely wrong, but they did mention that like it's been dramatized a lot in tv yeah and in movies as like some horrible inhumane like torture essentially and and they're saying like it's that's actually not the case but like who knows i mean even just the thought of like pumping electricity into your body like doesn't seem great so
0: well i'd like to believe even with these like medieval practices people were doing what they thought like based on the knowledge they had they were doing the best that they could and in some cases, the reason they thought that was good was because in some cases it did work, right? Or, what, like, for the most part, stuff worked out often enough. They had
1: to be doing it for a reason, right? Yeah,
0: but people drew some kind of conclusion about it.
1: But Or maybe it was just, like, the, the best thing they had at the time. And sometimes it worked and sometimes it didn't, but it was the only thing they had to try. Yeah, or maybe... Like, lobotomies. Like, sometimes that went really wrong.
0: Well, that was something, too, that was on this list, I think.
1: Oh, really? Like the ice pick lobotomies?
0: Yeah, lobotomies were obviously a controversial surgical treatment for a bunch of things back in like the 30s through 50s. And it was mostly used to treat, like, every kind of mental illness or anything going on with the brain, basically, that they didn't understand. So they used to they, – and they didn't really understand how different parts of the brains worked as well as they do now. But what do they do now? Today, a new wave of psychosurgeries is being done in some hospitals. And although these procedures are considered controversial, much like lobotomies were, they may be more precise in targeting the brain tissue that is causing people's symptoms. So basically, they're doing kind of – now that they think they understand – the brain more they are doing
1: like more localized lobotomies.
0: yeah but it's not super common and it's not super i, I think there's still a lot of controversy
1: yeah and you would think that would have to be like a last case resort right
0: well yeah this one that i was reading about is used to treat severe obsessive compulsive disorder but i am assuming that that means again it's really really bad or difficult to deal with and other treatments have not been successful over a long period of time yeah I'm guessing. No one's like, yeah, this is my first choice. I'm going to go right. have someone cut into my brain. Although that was also, mm. what do they call it? Tre- trepanine? Tre- trepanation? Oh, trepanation? Yeah. So that's like a, a stone age thing, right? Where they'd make a hole in a person's school. And again, they'd like yep. did it for all kinds of reasons from, you know, it'll treat your headache to your epilepsy to it will rid you of the evil spirits. The evil spirits can leave your head because they're the thing that's making you sick
1: oh boy
0: but today they use kind of a similar technique for drilling a small hole in the skull but they'll stop they don't drill it into the brain if there's any kind of like internal bleeding so like if someone had you know is in a car accident and their brain is bleeding Mm. and swollen basically they'll relieve pressure by drilling a hole through the skull which isn't exactly the same thing but it is kind of funny how it's like it's similar it's similar
1: yeah Yeah, so it's like they they were almost there, but not quite.
0: Yeah, they weren't totally off base. But it's just funny how that right. sounds like ridiculous. But then today, if you like went to the hospital and they were like, oh... I mean, it would be scary for sure if someone says they're going to drill a hole in your skull. But you'd like yeah. be like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Do that. But like, if you hear a story back in the day, you're like, they just put holes in people's heads? Like, what? Get
1: away from me with that ice pick. But really, it's the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's fascinating, though. Um, I researched... I know we kind of did this before a little bit, but I really liked the Venetus Mundi where they flooded the arena and had them stage a naval battle.
0: No, I'm so glad you did because the first thing (laughs) that came to mind when they did that was I was like, oh, I remember Marissa said something about this before, but it was like a one or two sentence thing a really long time ago and I didn't research it anymore. So tell me everything.
1: So I went more into it a little bit. So this was kind of about... Mostly about the Coliseum. Mm-hmm. Basically, the Coliseum, when it was first built, it held between 50,000 and 80,000 spectators and usually averaged 65,000 attendants per event.
0: How many? 65?
1: 65,000. Wow. Um, it was in use for over 390 years and it saw the deaths of more than 400,000 people and nearly a million animals. Wow. So, when it was finished, they, had, they you know, were celebrating, and they had a variety of gladiatorial games. They also used it for public ex- executions and plays, um, but the most like impressive uh events were the mock naval battles where they would flood the arena and float ships in it and stage these sea battles. They were called namaki.
0: So how did they manage that back then? Because that was also my question here. It's like how do you feel I feel like that would be <sighs> a challenging thing today, let alone back then. I guess they had aqueducts, right? Well,
1: I don't Though, yeah, I was, yeah, I mean, they had aqueducts. Like, I think they had a pretty good sense of how to do it. The first recorded nemicie was organized by Julius Caesar, and I've heard what of him. He did, <laughs> yeah. He didn't fill a like uh, an arena. So what he did was he ordered a huge basin dug near the near a river, and hmm. they. So then it was like they were able to redirect the water from the river to flood this basin. Okay, that makes sense. To this me. is crazy. So there were 4,000 participants. Wow. And in t- 2,000 war prisoners fought each other to the death. And so like it was kind of interesting like I liked how we had this like mock naval battle in this book and it was basically the same thing like throw a bunch of people in there and you have to fight until one lives like that's exactly what they did back in the day
0: well that's interesting again because you have so many people and I guess these people like bloody things anyways but like I couldn't I was trying to imagine like with this many people fighting if you just like let them loose in a big arena like it it wasn't like Mm -hmm. it made it much more interesting to think that would have also been a cool scene I think to see it fill and the battle, with oh the yeah, cannons and the sea drakes and the all of that. But
1: so Emperor Augustus also had a basin dug by the Tiber, and he staged an event with three thousand participants and thirty ships. Wow, like the scale of this is what's so massive. Like twenty thousand, like or three thousand people. That's bigger than the college I went to. Well, and
0: even things like 30 (laughs) ships just for entertainment, like, how expensive and hard was it to build a ship back then? Like, even, I feel like it's still expensive and hard to build a ship, and it's, like, oh, let's just throw them all, like, let's, I don't know, let's grab 30 of them and, like, put a bunch of prisoners in and I'll go watch them on Saturday afternoon. Mm -hmm. Battle for their lives. It's just, it's, like, fascinating to me think that, that this was entertainment again and like how much? i don't know it's just crazy
1: yeah the first naval battle at the coliseum was held in 80 ad and emperor titus ordered the amphitheater flooded and he had um these special flat bottom ships designed so because you can only fill up the arena so much like the boats had to be able to float so they that makes sense. they had flat bottoms to kind of accommodate that
0: does that mean they tipped easier
1: I don't know, probably. Because
0: I would think part of why they're deeper is for balance, but maybe that's wrong.
1: I don't know enough about ship. <laughs> I don't really
0: either. That was just, that sounded smart though, right? I'm just kidding.
1: Mm-hmm. It did. <laughs> And they would just, like, reenact ancient battles in these arenas. And, like, once they built an artificial island in the middle of the Colosseum where, like, participants could, like, jump out of the boat and, like, keep fighting on land.
0: Well, and that's so interesting, too. Again, we've seen that in this book a little bit where they've had, the footnotes have had to tell us what the battle was that they're recreating. But it is kind of a cool idea to, like, if you think this was, like, before books and stuff existed and this is how they would, like, share history and, like, Mm -hmm. these legends. And I don't know, that's... Oh, it's kind of cool.
1: Yeah, it's just it's fascinating that they organized it on such a massive scale, though. Yeah.
0: Well, and again, thirty ships. What if you were the losing side in the original battle? What do you think when you go into it?
1: I know. Yeah. Well, in the original battle, I mean, they're talking about like ancient. History I know. Battles. I know. I know. But I mean, but like,
0: I mean, but like, if you're like, so you know, it's between this is a famous battle where group A defeated group B and then it's like we're gonna reenact oh, it and you're like yeah. oh great I'm the group B.
1: <laughs> and it's like very real for you. I mean it's entertainment for others but like you better pray you're the last yeah. one standing. And then you have to kill all these people just to survive. Like it's so terrible.
0: Well and then Ugh. in a few months we're gonna do it all over again. So who do you even right. bring
1: in to? Because everyone
0: else is dead. It's just, That's fascinating.
1: 3,000 slaves. Yeah. Same with
0: this game. It's sort of like okay so if you it's not like if you didn't win this year like good luck next year it's like if you didn't win this year you are dead and everything you trained for in your whole like you either need to be the best or you hope you're not good enough to go at all
1: I know because it's just like the sheer expendability is what's so sad Mm -hmm. of these poor people
0: yeah it's crazy
1: I wonder what we're gonna get in the next book since we got assassins then gladiators it has to be something different it's gotta
0: be something completely different right we're gonna get magic we're gonna get lots of magic we're gonna get darken
1: darken against darken
0: magic darken and god gods and goddess <laughs> gods and devils i don't know
1: it's gonna be something good
0: Oh, wait. Okay, so here's... Oh, wait. Never mind. Maybe we've already talked about this. But, so, the whole reason why Ah is mad at the Dark Mother, according to legend, is because she had a son when she wasn't supposed to, right? Mm
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, is the sun, do you think that's the moon? And do you think that is who died and created God's grave? Do you think it's the sun? Because... Remember when, so she had a moment where she saw like the night sky, kind of like how we imagine it. And she didn't call it the moon, but she talked about, because they have never seen a moon, I think. She talked about it was like dark and she could see the stars and there was something like the sun, but it wasn't harsh and shining. It was like, I don't remember what she said, but it sounded like the moon to me. And then I was, didn't they say something about the moon falling? I don't know.
1: Mm -hmm. That's a good prediction.
0: And I forgot, but I forgot... I forgot about the son. I forgot that the mom had a son and that was what caused the whole issue. So I bet we're going to, I think we're going to figure out her family and the God family and the Darken are all going to, Mia's going to grow super powerful and ultimately Mia dies. That's my prediction.
1: You think she's going to die? I don't know. I don't think she's going to die. I think she's going to live with her brother. <laughs>
0: okay, do you think she Happily
1: ever after. <laughs> do, I don't know if she'll kill Scavia. D-
0: do you think she'll still be darken at the end of the day? Or do you think she will, like, maybe that part of her will die, the darkened part? She'll, like, expend all that power. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I ask weird questions.
1: Good question i have no idea honestly like i really don't
0: know what to expect either
1: <laughs> i just don't know enough about the darkens to make predictions about them i feel like she might not kill scavia though because i feel like i don't know i mean uh, maybe she will but i think we're gonna learn more about her family and more about the republic and that will kind of decide how she reacts in this book
0: I feel like he should die or lose power. I can't imagine at the end of this book with whatever happens that like the political structure isn't severely upset.
1: That's true. Yeah, I, I believe that. But so.
0: I also don't see her like taking over. There's not like a clear, like usually if we have someone being defeated, we also have someone taking their place. And I don't see anyone in this book so far. Oh, here's another question for maybe, you.
1: Maybe Sidonius
0: <laughs> Yeah, do you think that her gladiator friends who are still alive are going to come back in book three? I hope so. Me too. I hope so.
1: Yeah, I I bet they do.
0: But I could also see them just like getting out safe and being like unrelated to what's happening. Yeah. Yeah. That would actually be happier, but I want to see them again. (laughs) But then like half of them will die. So I don't know.
1: (laughs) I just really want to learn what the heck is happening with Trick. Honestly, that's my number one right now
0: yeah I'm confused I don't know I don't know how I feel about it because I really liked him before but I don't know how I feel about him right now
1: <laughs> I liked him a lot before he was my favorite I didn't want him to die he was the only good person I liked
0: I'm curious what it all means like if he somehow part of him didn't die and that's why he's this weird creature or if he always like was something weird and was like also lying and keeping a secret from Mia or if I don't know I'm just yeah
1: oh do you want me to read the cover of the next book oh. and then we can see if it has any secrets yes that please. Okay. What's it called? So the last book is called Dark Dawn.
0: Oh, I just realized mine's a signed first edition. Did I tell
1: you that? So it's mine. What?
0: Did he sign all of them? <laughs> or did we just jump on this right away?
1: I got mine from the library, so I
0: got mine from Amazon.
1: Okay, so we're gonna read up to chapter twenty-three for next week. Okay. Um, and I'm gonna read. The inside cover. Okay. The greatest games in God's grave's history have ended with the most audacious murders in the history of the Etrean Republic. Mia Corvere, gladiator, gladi- escaped slave and infamous assassin is on the run. Pursued by the Blades of the Red Church and soldiers of the Luminati Legion, she may never escape the city of Bridges and Bones alive. Her mentor, mercurio is now in the clutches of her enemies. Her own family wishes her dead, and her nemesis, Consul Julius Scavia, stands but a breath from total dominance over the Republic. But beneath the city, a dark secret awaits. Together with her lover Ashlyn, brother Jonin, and a mysterious benefactor returned from beyond the veil of death. Ooh, I bet that's trick. She must undertake a perilous journey across the Republic, seeking the final answer to the riddle of her life. True dark approaches, night is falling on the Republic for for perhaps the final time. Hmm. Can Mia survive in a world where even Daylight must die? I don't have any clues. I'm still very confused. I don't know. Well, either. <laughs> but I'm excited. How did Trick come
0: back? I don't know. Oh, it's so gotta confused. be with those darkest <laughs> Dark I don't Okay, because again, he did drop into just like an abyss with no bottom that we know of that's somehow connected to the Dark Mother. Maybe she like It I reminds don't know.
1: me of that abyss in um Three Dark Crowns. Oh yeah. Or like they fall in and come out, change. The domain, Brachia yeah. domain or whatever.
0: <sighs> okay, do you want to hear a joke? Yeah. So I found some Halloween dad jokes because Ooh. it's almost Halloween. But they say click to reveal, so I haven't actually read the punchline to any oh, of nice. them yet. Okay. So we'll find out together. What happened to the guy who couldn't keep up payments to his exorcist? <laughs> um, I
1: don't
0: know. He was repossessed
1: oh that's
0: good what did the corpse's mom do when she got mad at him
1: Sent him back to bed I don't
0: know. grounded him
1: <laughs> i like that
0: why did dracula get thrown out of the haunted house mm, i don't know <laughs> he was a pain in the neck <laughs> okay we'll do one last one okay. why are demons and ghouls always together i don't know because demons are a ghoul's best friend <laughs>
1: Oh my god. <laughs> I really like that one. Oh, <laughs> uh, that one was. The picture is great
0: too. Oh my goodness. Oh gosh. Happy,
1: Halloween, yeah, <laughs> happy Halloween, everybody. Happy Halloween. And we're, we just found out we're both doing murder mystery parties independently of I each know. other, though.
0: <laughs> I know. I wish I could go to yours. I
1: know. One day.
0: Well, and I need to figure out what I'm going to carve my pumpkin as. I always try and do Ooh. something bookish, but I have no idea yet, so. What? Maybe a wretch. Maybe a bookworm.
1: Oh, that would be cute, actually. Do you know what your what character you are in your murder mystery,
0: so I am I did kind of a weird one this time. So I used to do them a lot in high school, but this time I accidentally basically read everything because of the way it was set up for the host. So I'm just like literally hosting. Hmm. But James is a pilot, so I'm dressing as a flight attendant and I'll just like be his date, but I will make sure everything runs according to how it should.
1: Ours is like a 1920s themed one and I play the deceased's mother and I'm like a grieving widow love it and i have this i have this amazing outfit i have like this long black skirt i have a long sleeved shirt that is covered in black raven feathers don't even ask me where i got that
0: oh you need to use that for book pictures at some point i
1: should i have been using it with for my book pictures. okay perfect (laughs) and then i have these black lace gloves and this huge long black uh black lace veil
0: (laughs) oh my goodness i'm so excited
1: it's ridiculous (laughs) But I can't wait. Halloween's my favorite holiday, so I'm very excited. I know.
0: I love it, too. I'm really... Except James has class, so I'm kind of bummed, but oh well. We can
1: celebrate this weekend.
0: Yes. That'll be good. All right. All right.
1: Anything else? No.
0: We will start reading Dark Dawn. And if you want to get in touch with us and tell us about your experience with maggots as medical treatment
1: (laughs) or your halloween (laughs) costume or
0: anything else or your that would be a we'd rather hear about your halloween experience and you might have more stories you can reach out to us at mnktalkya at gmail.com or on instagram and facebook at mnktalkya oh my goodness (laughs) that's it (laughs) that's it all right (laughs) bye bookworms go
1: get a library card